Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Happy birthday, belated happy birthday, to one Christopher Johnston. How did you enjoy your birthday weekend? It was good, man. It was really good. I I went and did a big run on the day of my birthday. It just happened that the Toronto Waterfront Marathon was in town. Uh, so that was fun, but it was a little, maybe push myself a little harder than I meant to. So I'm feeling a little sore this morning. Oh, um, God. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I'll say this. I, I I don't think you're a runner, but it would, the weirdest part about it, quite honestly, is being around that many people again. Um, I I was almost having like, I don't want to sound too dramatic, but it was almost like a mini anxiety attack. Like I felt like all ramped up inside. Um, again, unrelated to just like the physical activity of running 21 kilometers, I did the half marathon. Um, but I, I felt like almost anxious and my heart rate was kind of racing. My brain was everywhere. And I ended up running, this, especially the first bit quicker than I meant, um, which of course made the second half a little tougher. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, it all, it all went well, but it was, it was a strange experience to be back in that kind of environment. Cause I, I haven't done that. I don't know. It might be seven or eight years since I've done an official race, uh, with, you know, I think there's 15,000 people signed up. So it was, it was kind of crazy. I don't know if it's a COVID thing or what, but it was, uh, it wasn't my most ac- controlled run that I've ever done. Um, but it, it went well. And then, uh, obviously had to, you know, saw some friends and, and had a nice celebratory brunch and. Called it a day. That's that's forty one, bud. You're not you're not you're not as celebrating as aggressively as I was uh, fifteen years ago. Jeez, what were you? How were you celebrating fifteen years ago? Probably more like a Friday night out with my friends type of thing than uh, than going for a long run and then having a, a brunch and a couple of drinks. So, you know, you evolve, my man. This is this is evolution, Indeed. my friend. Actually, that's just I thought about this yesterday uh, in prepping for the show. Have you ever had a surprise party for your birthday? No, I don't think I have. I'm trying to you think. Sure you've birthday. planned one. And my, I, I haven't. We had a surprise 50th for my dad that I was a big part of, uh, which was awesome. My dad like walks in the house. I don't know how many people are there. I'm going to say at least 30. And literally everyone yells surprise and he like pumps his fist. He's like, yeah, let's party. <laughs> like, like he wasn't, he was surprised. It's not because he was, he didn't expect it, but he was just like, you know, some people might get nervous in that moment or might be like a little sheepish or shy. He was like the opposite. He's like, yes, this is awesome. Everybody's in my house. Let's go. Um, so that's Cobra Papa's spirit right there. Uh, Are you into surprises at all or? I'm not, I'm not against them. But I, I've never had a surprise party party that planned for me. Okay, all right. Maybe uh, maybe Insider J Money could plan that for 42 next year. <laughs> I don't um, need I mean, honestly, I don't need much. I'm not a big... I can't say I'm like a huge birthday guy in general, though. Like, I don't need... Your Instagram post to... from last year says otherwise. No, that was... That was like turning 40, reflecting on it and owning it publicly. That's different. Because, you know, there's as you go through your life, like even I remember being 21 and all my friends are making a big deal, like turning 21 or 25, but certainly like you get to 30 or 40. And I assume it's the same 50, 60, um, 
you know, I, I think that those big milestones people tend to make a lot out of, and and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm not like I don't need a bunch of presents. I did I did get a little cake, so that was nice. But I don't I don't no. I don't know. I'm just not I'm not someone like when I was a kid, my parents made a big deal of it. You know, when I'm talking like when I turn an eight or nine or ten, but you know, from the 20s on, I just it's kind of another day. It's it's nice that people care though. Like I do think it's cool. Like even this morning, I never opened Facebook, man. Like. If you're trying to get me on Facebook, like you might as well send a letter to 2014 to try to reach me. But I was looking through this morning because, you know, a bunch of old friends, people, a lot of people I haven't seen since high school or whatever, you know, send little messages on there. I, I think that's nice um, that people do that and obviously heard, you know, a number of text messages from other friends. Um, but yeah, so it's nice that people think of you and wish you well, but, you know, beyond that. I don't I don't need I don't need a big surprise party. I don't need to go to some fancy restaurant or anything like that. Okay, so uh, you're you're easy to please. I could have easily bought you like a like an arrow chocolate bar, and you would have been satisfied. Yeah, I actually got a gift from Adam Wilde. Oh, what's the gift? And he he got me a gift certificate to the <clears throat> the running store here in Toronto. Oh, nice, nice. That was nice. That was nice. Like I don't want to just push past anyone who did give me gifts. I'm just saying I I don't. Some people, I think it's a huge deal, right? It's different, different families, I guess, probably celebrate different holidays a different way. Like my family, we always get to go together at Thanksgiving. We always get together at Christmas, like kind of no matter what, it, maybe not on the exact day, but those are like days we don't miss. But, you know, some holidays I think are more important to other people, you know, maybe some people celebrate Valentine's Day in their relationship. Other people don't, you know, that kind of thing. Um, everyone's got a different view on it, but uh it's cool. It was cool to be able to do the run, though. Like, literally, I think it was back in January. And they're like, this is the first, you know, post-COVID marathon we're having in Toronto. And I was on my birthday. I was like, I'm signing up for the half right now. Like, I didn't even think about it. I signed up like nine months ago just because it was cool. It was landing on my birthday. So I did, when I was out there struggling a little bit, or like starting to feel it, I was thinking like, it's cool to be able to celebrate getting older this way. Like, to kind of challenge myself and push myself. And that was some of the positive self-talk as I was grinding through those last few Ks, feeling like I was about 82, not 41. You should have asked The Rock for uh, running advice. Oh, man. Did you see my How did, how did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? Well, I was on Overdrive on Friday in Toronto on the, the TSN local radio show here. A wildly popular show. And they just, they asked about The Rock, you know, because he had been at the, the Leafs home opener the, the night before and got mistakenly got a, a let's go Leafs chant going instead of the traditional go Leafs go. And they just were asking with the rock being there and that chant. And then, you know, they clipped that part of the segment, they put it on Twitter and the rock himself responded to the tweet. He said that he asked Sheldon Keefe or he said the coach, I assume he means Sheldon Keefe, um, you know, what, what he could chant. And he said, basically the coach said, chant whatever you want. And he asked if he could do a LFG let's, freaking go and the coach said that might be a bit aggressive so he went with let's go Leafs and apparently I wasn't at the game on Saturday but I saw David Alter tweet that a let's go Leafs chant started up Saturday like the fans basically channeled their inner rock spirit so yeah but he, he responded to our clip on online and it's funny because you know you know I'm not uh, not up on everything so like the rock I didn't realize it would be such a big deal like obviously I know who the rock is it's not that but I couldn't believe like players were actually getting asked about him post game. And I was like, why? And, I the saw player, and the players entertained it. It wasn't like they were like, why are you asking this weird question? They're like, that was awesome. The rock was here. So I maybe underestimated the rocks fame. Um, 
But so then when he responded on Twitter, a bunch of my buddies are texting like the rock responded to you. Um, so yeah, I should have asked the rock for some tips. Um, like, like the rock, I don't know if you really, like, I know you're not up on pop culture, but I don't think you get any bigger than a movie star action star right now than the rock. I, I can't think of any other actor right now who is more marketable for big action movies. That's, that's primarily why he was in Tron. He's promoting uh, the new black Adam movie. That's part of the DC extended universe or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, and Sheldon Keefe said he was actually supposed to address the team before the game, but he was, he got there. He had some other commitment that got in the way. So, I mean, it shows you that the Leafs thought it was a big enough deal. They weren't just like putting him on the jumbotron to get people excited. They were going to have him come in the dressing room and say something to the players. So, I mean, who knew a former CFL star makes good. I tell you, man, the rock, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, like it doesn't get any bigger than that. Like I was kind of jealous of, of, of some of the people who got to like meet him. Like, I think there's like a photo of like Alish Forfar from the fan five ninety morning show, like just posing with the rock. And I'm like, ah, I wish that was me. That would yeah, be like she's, freaking she's amazing. A new in arena host at Scotiabank arena. So she was actually the one who did the little interview with him when they had a, a TV timeout where, where all this, where all this uh, viral content came from. Before we bring on DB uh, for sports interaction, who is the most famous celebrity you have ever interacted with? Oh, that's a good question. I, I met this is a deep cut. Do you remember uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Of course, I remember Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Amazing show. Do you remember the actor that's Carlton? Alfonso Ribeiro? Alfonso Ribeiro, he, we were once stuck waiting for, uh, we were once, what's in a bad plane situation? We were like together in line chatting and we were, act, I was actually in Hawaii coming back to, you know, coming home. And he was like, I got to get home. I got to host entertainment tonight, tomorrow or something. <laughs> oh my God. So I once interacted with him. It's probably, there's got to be someone more famous. I mean, because I'm around sporting. It's pretty famous. Right? You know, like I've seen like Will Arnett's been around the Leafs at times, like when I've been around there. You know, like some quite often celebrities are sort of coming through the dressing room or been the places I've been. You know, I saw uh, John Hamm has been at a bunch of NHL events like the All-Star Game in St. Louis. I think I saw him in the cup final there, too, and they had a few words with him. Um, there's a, there's a few. But as you know, like it's totally lost on me because I'm such a like for me, it's like a way bigger deal to interact with Tiger Woods or like an elite athlete because that's just more my jam. So if you, uh, inter you know, I interact with Tiger Woods. I have. That's I. I think that's the. Best. I think that's your answer right there. Okay, I thought you were talking about stars, like like movie stars. I, I no. I think I think like I think celebrity. I think I think athletes can be included in this, and I, I mean I think Tiger Woods is more famous than all of those people. So even I yeah. had a chit chat with Jack Nicholas too, and uh, you know it's a little before your time, but most most major championships ever won in golf. Uh, pretty cool for me. I mean, because I love the sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been lucky, man. Like, I've lived my whole adult life basically like, going to sporting events on somebody else's dime. Like, when you actually think of it that way, it's kind of a crazy, crazy fortunate life I've lived to to be the places I've been and see the things I've seen. I hope I'm able to interact with half the celebrities you've <laughs> you've interacted with uh, through your time as a forty-something-year-old uh, man. Well, and The Rock, I only interacted with online, so I, I didn't actually meet him. That's still pretty good. When he was at the game. And sadly, if I met him, if I shook his hand, I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it. That sounds really bad, but that just that, that's that's just a line of where I'm at. I just treat people all the same. 
Tony Robbins too. I don't know if you know Tony Robbins. I had yeah, the motivational speaker. I had a good interaction with him at the cup final in Washington, 2018, 2019, 2018. And I actually, he was in the Capitol's dressing room and I knew who he was. Right. And I, this sounds really weird, but I had read a book. He, he, he wrote a book where he talked to all the CEOs in America or like the top 50 CEOs. And it was, and he was distilling um, financial advice to the average Joe was the idea or Jane. It was, it was basically what do the most successful business people, what would they tell, you know, someone getting started in their life? And I'd read that book and he donated all the money actually to feed people because he grew up, I don't know if you know about Tony Robbins' background, but he grew up without a father and he, he didn't have any food for a lot of his life. And so the entire proceeds of this book were donated. So he was in the Capitol's dressing room and I was sure like the other reporters would be like, why is Tony Robbins here? Like he's a monster of a man, right? And so I just, but no one said anything to him. So I just walked over and I was like, hey, Tony, I was like, I really respect what you do. I read, you know, this, I've been reading this book during the playoffs. He's like, oh, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm Chris Johnson. Good to meet you. I'm just a journalist. I'm covering the Stanley Cup final. He's like, you ever been to one of my shows? And uh, I was like, no. And he's like, give me your email. And he actually followed up and invited me to, there's a couple different options. And I, and I went to one of his shows in Chicago that summer. And he then took me backstage. And like, we had a chat. He's like, Lars Eller, he scored the winning goal in the, and, you know, and he's like, tell me all about the, the Stanley Cup. So that was pretty cool, too, because that was like a real genuine interaction. And he later invited me to a show. He put me in the VIP section. There's actually stars. There's like there's like movie stars in that VIP section where I was sitting, too, for a couple of days at his show. So and you had no idea who they were. I I, I kind of remember the one woman, but I can't I'm going to butcher her name and I just don't want to say. It. But, yeah, there was like legit <laughs> movie stars. We, they put me in like the section with the movie stars that go to his shows. It was at the United Center. There's like 19,000 people there. And I was like on the floor beside the stage and like this. And I even I walked on fire during that event. Like that was anyway. You walked on fire during yeah, like that that's event? part of like the mental training he does. And, and you go outside. We were in the parking lot, literally in the dark, walking on fire. It was crazy. What? <laughs> Are you serious? I've never yeah, knew this part of the story. story. There's no I never part knew of that story this part. That's a, that is just, there's no part of that story that's exaggerated or changed. Like that's exactly how it happened. I saw him in the dressing room. I talked to him. He invited me to a show, and then I was walking on fire in the United Center parking lot. Oh my god! Uh, look, I know we have not really talked a lot about hockey uh, to start off the podcast. That's okay. We we it, that could happen sometimes, and we'll get into that with DB, and we'll go through a whole bunch of hockey headlines. Uh, but uh, I I love how the beginning of this podcast has gone from going from you running a half marathon to you walking on hot coals or hot fire or whatever. Yeah, man. If anyone's still with us, I thank you for your patronage because this has been a bit of a journey to start this Monday podcast. Hey, look, man, we need the fun stuff to start. But anyway, let's get to David Bastel for a sports interaction. As always, uh, Ontario only, uh, 19 and over, play responsibly, and there will be a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of the show. It's time for You Can Bet That. Let's go over some news and notes and look back at some of the some events in the NHL over the last few days. Let's start off with the latest as it pertains to Ian Cole. Uh, CJ, I know you've been all over that. Um, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman accused of some very serious uh, allegations on Twitter of the league has since come out and said that they have not found any evidence to support those allegations against him. Um we can get into uh, how people uh, have made light of of the NHL's efforts into the investigation, at least what we have seen on social media. We could also discuss the NHL PA and their response to this. Uh, just your initial thoughts and, and what could be next when it comes to uh, Ian Cole. 
Well, basically the league couldn't ever reach the person that, that was behind, you know, where the allegations came from. It was from a Twitter account uh, created in September. I believe it carried the name Emily Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but th they couldn't find whether there is an Emily Smith. Uh, that person didn't respond to their attempts to to reach them. And, and you know, the league had a couple of discussions with Ian Cole in the last week and, and his lawyers. And he has denied this and they haven't been able to find any more evidence to, to substantiate the claims. And so and in that circumstance, you know, the, the league considers the matter closed. Um, I suppose that could always change if if something new were to emerge. Um, you know, I'm sure that, that that they would revisit the, the situation. But, you know, that's where we got to. And then from a procedural standpoint, the NHL Players Association has trouble with the fact that, you know, a claim comes in online. Um, there, there, there isn't any person that we know of behind it. And here's the thing. I'm not saying there isn't a victim here. Like I, I don't know myself, but the point is, is that in theory, anything could be alleged online and, and Ian Cole was suspended with pay, but he had to be held out of games. And I think, you know, the union's role is to protect the players. And in this case, you know, the union put out a pretty sharply worded press release on Saturday night, you know, saying that they didn't like the way this was handled and they'd like to have further discussions with the league about, in the future. And I, I guess the thinking is if you want to take this to the extreme is maybe there's a big game and you don't like a certain player on a certain team. And maybe you could create some false allegation. Again, I'm not saying that's what happened here, but I, I think that the concern is that anyone could accuse anyone of anything and they might be suspended immediately with, with no process in place. And so, you know, I'm not sure how that will all sort itself out, but you know, I can see, I can see the challenge for the league. I mean, look, when any, this is a very serious allegation that was put forth. It was very detailed too, right? It's not, it's not just like one tweet of 140 characters. It was a screen grab of a very specific stories and timelines. And, and there's lots of other information in there theoretically that could be corroborated if it is in fact true. Um, but, you know, in theory, anyone could put anything forth and take someone out of a game. So the league has to take those things seriously. And so you, I understand why the team, in this case, the lightning, you know, suspended the player as soon as this emerged, as soon as it gained traction on social media, uh, while things were looked through. But you know, the player did miss a week of, of playing, and so I, I really don't know where it will go, Julian, uh, in terms of if something like this were to happen in the future. Um, but you know, when it comes to Ian Cole's case, you know, at this point, the league hasn't been able to find any more evidence of of wrongdoing. You know, beyond the Twitter account and the person who posted that message hasn't come forward, or the league hasn't been able to to reach that person, and so you know, he'll be, uh, he's reinstated and, and can, can start playing games. What about the, uh, the NHL's efforts as it pertains to, to social media? One tweet that has made the rounds in regards to the allegations to Ian Cole, which were for sexual abuse and um, grooming allegations. Uh, I realize we should probably mention that part. Right. Um, but there is one tweet that went of around a where of a, of a minor, yes. Um, the National Hockey League tweeting at that Emily Smith account uh, and asking the account to DM them. And a lot of people, you know, were, were pointing it out. And some journalists were saying, hey, we hope this is not the full extent of what the NHL has done when it comes to researching this account. I, I just for me, like looking at this, like I have a hard time thinking that's the only thing the NHL could do. Like, I know it's really easy to jump on the NHL for stuff like that. Like, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me that that would be the only thing that they would do. Yeah, my understanding is they, they use law enforcement. Uh, they, they did online record checks. 
I think that they did a lot more to try and reach the person than just the, the sort of obvious kind of Hail Mary, please DM us. I mean, that 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 can work sometimes, right? You can slide into someone's DMs and get a response. Um, I, I, I do believe it's my understanding that they did more than that. And I get why people can be cynical, but look, at these are serious allegations. And I don't think there's anything to suggest the NHL didn't take them seriously. That the problem is, and I think there's a broader discussion to be had in general. This is why those that are victims of sexual abuse, it, it can be a difficult situation at times because you, you know, you need someone to come forward and then it can be your word against theirs and this and that. Um, you know, and so again, I'm not saying because look at he's been found that there's no there's nothing more than this tweet at this point in time. But you know, I think it's a difficult situation and the league, you know, I think spent a week. I don't, it wasn't just a DM on a Friday night. I, I, again, I realize it's some of these things like they, they take on a life of their own. Cause I saw my, my feed started going nuts after that tweet was just, you know, discovered. Um, but you know, I think let's give the league some credit here. They have a director of security uh, who, who led the discussion with Ian Cole. They, 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 I don't think this is a case where the league wasn't trying to find the person. I, you know, I think that, Let's give them a little bit more credit than that. And, you know, as I say, if something did happen here, there's still an opportunity for that person to come forward. So, you know, in, in this moment, um, Ian Cole has been reinstated. He's fine to play, but, but who knows, who knows what, where else this might go in the future. I, I don't know what did or did not happen. Um, but, but clearly the NHL needs more evidence than, than what's been put forward to, to, to levy any punishment. Yep. Uh, that's as much as we can put on that story. And obviously, if there are any other updates, we will address them in future episodes. Bit of a hard pivot to some of the other uh, goings on of uh, the NHL the last few days, but such is the life we live. Hard pivots are what we have to do. Uh, do you want to start with the Battle of Ontario first or the Battle of Alberta over the last few days? I think we go Battle of Alberta because I want to hear about your first impressions, man. You were in the building in, in Edmonton on Saturday night. Your first taste of that rivalry. I mean, what were your takeaways from the rink, the experience, the game? I mean, what what stood out to you most? Man, like the rink itself. And I say this as someone who did not have to spend all that time in a bubble <laughs> watching games at Rogers, uh, at Rogers Place. It is beautiful. It is so it's like it's, it's obviously really new. Uh, but just everything about it is is incredible. Like I, I really enjoyed being in the arena and then just watching the game and just the pacing, the 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 back and forth, like watching Connor McDavid up front, like Nazem Kadri scoring that great goal. Just a lot of action, a lot of fun uh, here in the crowd as well. The Oilers crowd is really great up there. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Edmonton as a city compared to Calgary, but that's a whole other podcast. Episode don't get itself. into that rivalry, man. You don't. You can you can be a neutral here. I'm not, very neutral. I'm very you're neutral. It's just, it's just city, man. You're a Montreal man. You love living in Calgary, but you don't have to weigh into that. That's rivalry. why I said I'm not sure. That's why I said I'm not sure. I didn't say screw Edmonton. I said I'm not sure. <laughs> I could we could do a tale of the tape with those two on a future episode. Just I'm not sure. Um, but it, I generally like watching that back and forth uh between the Oilers and the Flames. Really entertaining hockey. Really interesting to see Dan Vladar uh, get the start in that game. I know Daryl Sutter mentioned that uh, he's trying to get him a start a week, but he did his best to hold the fort for the Flames. They come away with the win. Also, I'm still, it still irritates me. And I don't know if you realize this, Siege. We only get three iterations of the Battle of Alberta in the regular season. And the very last one is on December 27th. And after that, there will be no more Battles of Alberta 
unless the two teams meet in the playoffs. I, I just think that's wrong. We're getting a best of seven, though. I think. I, I mean, think we should. These teams, they're too good not to face each other. It's got to happen somehow again. I mean, that I know it was only a five-game series last year, but it was it was great for what it was. There's some crazy games there. It felt crazy too the other night, right? Saturday, like there was goals. I don't, I don't, you might know the actual stats. It just felt like there was a goal every minute right off the bat. Uh, poor Jack Campbell gets yanked. Uh, he's let seven goals, I think, on 47 shots in his two starts in Edmonton. So, jeez, bit of a rough beginning there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because now we have 32 teams, right? There's, there's a number of teams that have the same issue. I think Toronto, Montreal only play three times. Um, you know, basically, I think any team within your division, you play them either three or four times now. So there's we could go around the league and be like maybe Florida and Tampa only play each other three times. Like it, it's it's the new matrix of games. You know, maybe we get away. F- there, there must be a way to solve that, because, yeah, I think you want to see those those games a little bit more. But at the same time, I like that you see every team home and away, too. And you start doing the math. Uh <laughs> It's 32 teams. It's a lot of, lot of, lot of games home and away with other buildings. That's 62 of your games right off the top. Right. So it's, it's imperfect, but I'm, I'm surely the hockey gods will deliver us another flames Oilers series in spring 2023. I sure hope so. Because if all, if all we get this year is just the three games between Calgary and Edmonton, like I, I think that's a travesty. I was talking with the GM privately and he said he wasn't he wasn't happy about that either. Like I I know there are other people around the league who would see something like this and they're like this is this is ridiculous. Like we're talking about the best rivalry in the National Hockey League right now. And you get like two instances on Hockey Night in Canada throughout a season. Right, but I go back to the original problem. Everyone complained cuz there was a time like 10 years ago where you didn't play every team home and away. And then some cities were like Sidney Crosby, who is the, you know, unquestionably the best player in the game that hasn't been here in three years or whatever. Um, and so I, I think we have to decide what we want, right? Do you want, um, do you want to see every team every year? And that means if, you know, if Connor Bedard gets drafted to a Western Conference team and you live in the East, it means you might not see him in your rink. Um, or, or do you want more of the rivalry games? I mean, I, I don't know where I stand because sometimes I will say like, if you remember back to that season where it was entirely the North division, like, and, and, and central and, and what have you, but you know, you kind of got tired of seeing the same six or seven teams play each other all the time. So there, there's a line there, but you're right. Three seems a little light and, but I, I don't know what the perfect way, I don't have the perfect solution. I suppose. I'll say this. The three would be a lot better if the last game, and this is specifically with the matchup and we don't have to belabor the point too long. But if like the last meetup between the two teams was in March, like as opposed to, okay, you have the game at the beginning of the year, you have another meetup at the end of that same month. And then the third game is at the end of the calendar year. And then you go January, February, March, April, potentially longer without that happening. Like if you found a way to spread, you just just switch with another matchup that probably makes it better. And to your point, we are about what, like a year or two out of the Canadian division where we saw those teams play each other like eight, nine times. And that got us all fed up. Remember at the beginning of that year, when I was like, you know what, this is going to be a great idea. The one Anthem division. And then we got fed up of Montreal Calgary for the seventh or eighth time. At least I did. I did too. You know, I got to say though, if we saw that division with fans, because remember those games were played largely. That is true. Entirely, but like largely without fans, if not entirely. And if you sprinkled it in with playing the other teams, 
I actually still would like a Canadian division. I think I realize there's travel complications and game start time complications. You know, if the Eastern teams are out West, you know, maybe it's not as good for the TV partners. If the games are starting at 10 Eastern time, for example, uh, or at four Pacific time when the Canucks come East uh, and everyone's still at work. But I, I actually like the idea of the Canadian teams in the same division. I just think you, you need it with fans and you need to play the other teams in the league. That, that, that was the only two things that that missed, but I, you know, look, there's always this thing like, like some teams don't like, you know, when Winnipeg comes to town in the U S like you see it on the billboard outside and it's whatever Winnipeg, you know, is visiting Nashville and maybe people in Nashville don't know what Winnipeg is. I, I, I think I, I would be open to a Canadian division again, just under more normal parameters. And I think it would be, it would be awesome. We, we'd all be at each other's throats though, right across the country. That is true, there, but there has to be some kind of of balance. And also, I realize I didn't really talk enough about uh, the teams themselves. I'll just say this: like the Flames, through two games, they get wins over Colorado, they get wins over Edmonton. Still, some stuff I think they need to clean up, but pretty good on them to to go two zero zero. And then Edmonton, just the defense, I, I can imagine, still needs work. Jack Campbell. To me, like I, I don't like the fact that he's looked the way that he's looked through the first two games. But that if there's a team that can outscore their problems, it's 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 the Edmonton Oilers and just the speed, the, the, but you, the talent you that's there. Him crazy. in free agency to solve that problem, right? I mean, that's yeah. And and look, it it's two games. We 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 talked after our first episode was after the first games of the season. We were like, don't overreact. It's two no. games. Don't overreact. I mean, Jack Campbell's played lots of good hockey in the last few years. For I don't like the two games. It's two games. I, I still don't like the two games. Did you go, by the way, to the Hall of Fame room where they do yes. those press conferences in the in the new in Rogers Place? That's that's pretty cool. They got like that is amazing. They got Wayne Gretzky's locker and you know a bunch of memorabilia, and it's just like this beautiful room. Yeah, they did that building right. That was I know. It took a long time and there's taxpayer money and lots of stuff. Maybe you don't like about how it got built, but they, they did a good job with what they built. It's, I mean, I have not been to every arena in the national hockey league. It's the nicest one I've been to. Yeah. Well, it's the newest, I think. Right. It's yeah. That so, is, I haven't been to Seattle's actually, I have been to every arena, but I haven't been to Seattle now that they've joined the league. And so I guess climate pledge is maybe currently considered the newest, although they, they, they retrofitted the old building there. Um, and I, I actually do look forward to getting there at some point. I think it'll, it'll be a cool building too, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the real deal. It's huge too. It's like it's a practice massive. rink inside of it, man. I didn't even get to go to the practice rink inside of it. It's just, it's just massive. There's just so much going on in that facility, but, uh, the press box is a little high. I'll say uh, that. You, don't, you think it's a little high. Well, I mean, look, at this is like, we're putting a fine point on it, but they, they basically put us in the roof. <laughs> I think it's I higher at the Bell Center. But the Bell Center, you're more over the ice. Like the Bell yeah, Center, you're you actually hanging over the ice, which is cool. Um, yeah, I, I look at it. If you're nitpicking, it's not my favorite press box in the league, but everything else with the building is gorgeous. Is it better than the Saladone press box? No, I like the Saladone press box too, because you're right over really? the ice. Really? I mean, okay. the, the problem with the Saddledome press box is it's old, like the building. And so it's it's very small and like kind of cramped tight. But for watching the game, I think it's better because you're you're much lower, of course, it's a smaller building and you're yes. literally on top of the ice. So uh, you feel the heat off those flames when they do the like the pregame stuff. So, yeah, yes. it's, uh, again, it's not the 
it's not the most luxurious press box in Calgary and it's kind of a journey to get there, but it's, it's a great sight line for the, for the game. In my opinion. Have you done the catwalk? Oh yeah. I I've been there a bunch of times. Um, I covered some Olympic camps there. I think 20, 2009, 2013. Yeah. I've, I've been out to Calgary a whole bunch. I still I'm think coming this ca- year I'm coming again. I haven't planned when, but I'm coming to see you, my friend. Okay. Well, that's good because there is a, because there is a question to ask CJ uh that uh might serve us well for when you eventually decide to show up in uh in calgary gotcha. um okay let's get to the battle of ontario that also looked like a, a pretty good game from uh what i was uh able to watch uh between toronto and ottawa but uh, a big story out of there matt murray being injured uh not in that game necessarily but uh a lot to go through in in leafland as it always happens to be the case yeah i feel for matt murray you know on a personal level the guy's you know, obviously trying to get his career back on track. Injuries have been the the story of his last couple seasons in Ottawa. He just was never healthy enough to to play well over a period of time. He plays one game in Toronto and then gets, you know, leaves a morning skate before Saturday's game injured. And it's an addicator injury that's going to be out at least four weeks. So, you know, it could be even longer. Um, not not the ideal way to start, you know, actually a little bit of shades of Peter Mrazek from last season. It was almost the same circumstances. Now, Peter Morazic injured his groin in a game, but it was it was either his first or second start of the season. It was mid-October, and his season ended up being a total write-off. He just never got in any shape to to string together some good play. I think short-term, it's it's not the end of the world for the Leafs. Ilya Samsonov has played well in his two starts, won both games that he's he started to this point. It does now allow them some salary cap f- flexibility, and we saw them recall Nick Robertson, Victor Mete, and Wayne Simmons. Um, which I think is a positive because they've been carrying the bare minimum roster, um, you know, to that point. But for Matt Murray, it's, you know, it's just an ominous start. It doesn't mean, look, goalies do have groin uh, injuries. It's it's not totally unusual. You know, maybe he comes back healthy and everything's fine. But, it, 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 you know, after going through a long training camp, playing every minute of the preseason they asked of him, being healthy, uh, to have this injury right at the start of the season, I think is is a tough setback for him on a personal level. It's it's a risk that the Leafs also decide to run too. That's this is not someone with the uh, greatest injury history over the last few years. It's, it's something that was a risk when Kyle Dubas decided to to take him on. Big risk. I mean, the the issue actually with Matt Murray, if you're being honest, is he actually had some stretches in Ottawa where he put up good numbers too. It's not there 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 was you could look at that situation from two different ways. You could look at him and be like, man, if we can get him healthy and playing. Maybe there's still something in there, right? And then the other one is you can't get them healthy and playing. And so that was that was the crux of the decision, essentially. And you've unfortunately now seen the, the downside of it. Now it's he's still got this the rest of the season and next under contract. Maybe this is, we don't know. Like, this is the great thing. We're watching this play out in real time. We don't know how this movie ends. I think a lot of people probably assume they know how it ends in Ottawa. They're like, yeah, of course, he just never is healthy. I mean, DJ Smith actually had given a quote on Friday before his injury was revealed to reporters. And he just said like nothing against Matt, but he just was never healthy here. We never got a chance to see it. And then literally he's on the ice for like 10 minutes the next morning and has to pull himself off and he has this issue. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what will become of this, but it was a big risk. And, and the beautiful thing, I guess, and this is very small, small sample sizes, but the fact that Samsonov has played well, just let in two goals in each of his starts it's made it less of a of a total smoking building because you know if if he plays well and that was part of the the risk too or the gamble too right it was 
here's a former first round pick. His career is sort of sliding in the other direction, but he's only 25. I mean, there's, it's not crazy to think that he's going to put together a stretch of good hockey, but you know, there's always something to watch in Toronto, man. I mean, whatever, whatever it is, there's, there's some, feels like there's some calamity waiting around each corner. So the Leafs for the foreseeable, for the foreseeable future, will have to rely on Ilya Samsonov and Eric Shalgren to some degree. I would think so. And Shalgren played games last year. You know, he's, he's backing up now. They don't, they actually don't have another option. So, you know, there, there are other goaltenders under contract. Uh, you know, one is in Sweden. The, the other is injured in addition to Matt Murray. So they, they don't, I mean, it, it's Shalgren and Samsonov for the time being, I suppose if they incur another injury, maybe we're talking about a trade of some sort or a waiver claim uh, down the road, but uh I, I would think Samson will, will play the majority of, of the next month, um, especially if he keeps playing well. And maybe maybe a good story comes out of this or, you know, it, it gives him a chance to play more than he would have because the way, if you look back at the training camp, even the way the season started, it, it was, even though it's a platoon, it was definitely geared towards Matt Murray being the number one. Uh, but now Samsonov is going to, obviously has free runway to play more games, but he's also won his two starts. And maybe maybe he ends up being the, the guy who carries the ball for the Leafs. We'll see. Uh, before we get to ask CJ, any thoughts on uh, on any of the rookies uh, over the last few days? I know Shane Wright has come up a lot with uh, his handling in in, in Seattle, but Matty Beniers obviously is one to watch too. Rysovkowski, anything like that? Well, I mean, we've been we've been hyping Matty Beniers every episode. I, I saw a tweet. I, I wish I had the exact stat, but it's something like he's maybe the first rookie ever to have points in 12 of his first 13 NHL games or something like That's that. Craziness. The Kraken put out, you know, the point is, is he's had a really, really good start to his career, you know, both at the end of last season and then putting up points this year, you know, Shane, Wright, Some patience might be required. You know, they're in a tough situation. They're not alone, but you know, he has to be loaned back to the Ontario hockey league. If he's not in the NHL, I would think that they're, they're looking at it and saying he's played a lot of years in the OHL. He might be better served up here. But the problem is if, if a player's not ready, it's it's just tough to ease them in, right? He played six or seven minutes on opening night and then was scratched for the next two. So we'll have to see how that develops. I mean, maybe ultimately the Kraken decide he's best to go back to juniors. I think they're inclined to keep him. I think they'd like to keep him. Um, but, you know, I'm sure every day in that front office, they're having a debate about what is the best for the long-term um, of, of the player. And And, you know, I do think it's somewhat unfortunate that this, CHL agreement exists because I, I understand why the CHL owners want to, you know, gain benefit from that and why, you know, it is such a big feeder league for the NHL. But, you know, this is a case where probably would be best to send them to American Hockey League if you could. And, and of course, players that have come from Europe have that option. Um, you know, Euroslavkovsky could be sent to Laval if Montreal decides at some point during the season and then he can be brought back up and, and you know, because he was loaned from a European league. I, I know, and, and I'm going to mess up the names, but the the devil's pick that was pick number two. He's in the AHL, the Columbus Simon Nemich. Yeah. And then uh, the, the number six pick the Columbus, I believe it was, he's in the AHL, you know, back in the day, William Nylander was a top 10 pick who played in the AHL in his first season and then got some NHL games. I mean, um, you know, that's a real benefit for those players. I think just that added flexibility because they could also be sent to junior if, if the teams wanted. So, that, you know, I think that, maybe has to be looked at at some point in the future. I know it's been discussed on and off, but um, you know, we'll see what, how things unfold for Shane, right? I think on the more positive end of things, you know, Wyatt Johnston in, in Dallas, pretty crazy story. He lost the entire season to COVID, uh, you know, cause he was an OHL player still gets drafted 23rd overall by the stars in 2021, I guess it was. 
played last year in the OHL, won every major award you could win, and now is broken in with the team at 19, scored in his first game. So he's he's someone I'm keeping an eye on. Brant Clark, a right shot defenseman with the LA Kings, went and won a job in camp, really distributes the puck well. You know, not the biggest guy, so we'll see. You know, all these players are sort of on tryouts in the sense that they could still be loaned back um, and, and not necessarily spend the whole season in the NHL. Um, you know, those, those are a couple guys that grab my eyes, Dylan Gunther in Arizona. I, I think I've talked about him in the previous one, but Arbor Jack, I just, just love that story in Montreal that's unfolded. I mean, there's lots of good young players that are, are making their mark, um, early in the league. And, and, you know, we'll keep spotlighting them as, as some milestones come up and we see them get their first goals and all those things. CJ's rookie report. Love it. <laughs> By the way, I think I found that tweet. He might've been referencing. Uh, Matty Beniers joined, uh, you know what, I won't mention the two players yet, but he's the third teenager in league history to find the score sheet in at least 11 of his first 12 career NHL games. Feel free to guess who those those two other teenagers are. Sidney Crosby? No. One is active, the other one, Connor McDavid is not one. Wow. So there you go. Pretty crazy that he's even done something those guys didn't do. I mean, it's not to say we're predicting the similar career path for him, but it's still a pretty, pretty good piece of trivia. I, I don't know who it is. I, I could guess all day probably. Uh, Jonathan Taze and Joe Sackick. Wow. Yeah. One active player, one guy working in a front office and uh, well, you know who's who, but a really interesting number 19. Yes, that is true. That is true. Some of the best 19s we've seen in the National Hockey League. Very true. All right. Let's get to Ask CJ. We do this every Monday where we take in your questions off of Twitter and off of Discord. Let's do it. Uh, Lauren, oh, go ahead. I thought you were going to say something. No, no, I'm just saying let's do it, bud. Lauren Brown on Twitter. What are you going to be for Halloween? I thought about this. Um, I'm actually open for, I'd like some suggestions. I haven't dressed up for Halloween in a lot of years, but I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of doing a, a look this year. So actually I'm going to turn the question back to our audience and solicit some suggestions because I'm not leaning in any one direction. Uh, but I know that you, we got some creative folks out there listening to the show. So hit me up with your suggestions and, and uh, obviously I'll post a photo if I end up uh, following through on one of them. Are you a star Wars person? No. Oh, I would have said Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> You know that I'm not a Star Wars person. I haven't watched any. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, like I know there's some things you're up on. There was a time when you were up on pop culture. Movies. I haven't. Seen no, but like the old ones. I saw the original three when I was a kid. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. So you, but you know who Obi Wan Kenobi is. Yes, I'm familiar with him. <laughs> <laughs> I might dress up as the Rock. Oh, wait, 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 okay. So, like, the, the photo of him with the turtleneck of the fanny pack? Or, like, are you going to just, like, walk around shirtless yelling, can you smell what the rock is cooking? I, I don't know. I'm going to – maybe the, maybe the, the turtleneck look – I'm going to have to get some fake biceps, though, because I, I can't even pretend to be the rock. <laughs> right, at, at current – in current physical shape. I have to say, you got to start bench pressing a little bit to get to that point. You got to just do, like, a consecutive days before Halloween. There's yeah. still time, though. Oh man. Um, from C. Colhane96 on Twitter. Are the Flames good enough this year to finally 
I think I don't know why they would say finally make it past the first round of the playoffs. Maybe they meant second, but I guess they just kind of want your thoughts on the Flames this year. Yeah, I think I do think they're good enough. You know, that being said, for anyone listening to our predictions episode, I am predicting the Edmonton Oilers winning the Stanley Cup. So I I'm, can only predict them to get through one round because that, that, you know, probably the latest you think they would face the Oilers is the second round. But I, I mean, look, we'll see how the season plays out. I think maybe this is a, an addendum to our discussion on, on the Battle of Alberta and scheduling is it's going to be kind of interesting that the teams do play their last game head to head at the end of December because then you have three months of schedule where they're not playing each other and we're just like forecasting which one is better positioned, how that will all play down. But, uh, you know, I like the off season under the circumstances um, that the flames put together. I like their team. They've had a nice start to the regular season, but uh, it's a long year and, and we'll just have to see how things develop there. Daryl Samuels first team you expect to be proactive in a coaching change is dot, 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 dot. You wonder about Vancouver. I mean, just because, you know, Bruce Boudreau was brought in last year as sort of a shorter term fix. You know, he has, you know, didn't get a contract extension in the off season that he was seeking. And, you know, again, let's not overreact. I'm not saying he's being let go because of two games out of the gate, but, you know, a lot of goals going in the net there. I think there's a lot, you know, it's a tough road trip for them. They're starting, they're already on the East coast. They haven't played a game at home yet. I could see that being a place where the temperature gets turned up pretty quickly. The other one maybe to keep an eye on is, is we'll see what happens in New Jersey where Lindy Ruff's in the, in the final year of his deal. Um, again, this isn't based on information that he's on the hot seat, but it's, it's pretty clear when someone is working in the final year of their contract that, that part of what the judgment on whether they get to stay is, um, you know, the performance of the team. And if, if the devil's underperform. If Vancouver doesn't get things turned around pretty quickly, I mean, maybe those are places coaches are on the hot seat, but you know, I think there was 13 coaching changes last year, if I'm not mistaken, there's, there's been a lot in the last calendar year. So just, just by doing the math on that, you know, there's not maybe as many hot seats as in a typical year, because we've got a lot of people that are new on the job or have had a lot of success and aren't, aren't really under the same consideration. There was a video going around online, I think from, I guess the devil's home opener, and like they introduce Lindy Ruff, and I think he gets he gets booed, and like Lindy Ruff just like looking around, like are they booing me? Like that, that's just that. if it's a sign. I'll, I'll send that clip at some point. But uh, very well, interesting times in New Jersey. It is. Look, they they are ready to take the step, and you know I've I've highlighted them as one of the teams I think is going to be a bit of a sleeper team. I know they lost to Philadelphia right out of the gate, but in, in general, I do think that the Devils are in a position to take a step forward. And but their fans are impatient. They've they've been. They've been down and out for a while. They had the one year where they made the playoffs and, and Taylor Hall won the, the Hart Trophy. But other than that, it's been a, a long period um, where they, they haven't had success. So uh, I, I think there is – they've got to show some results or there's going to be changes. And I think Lindy Ruff is one of the potential changes they'll consider. For Matthews underscore 34, I'm willing to assume that's not actually Austin Matthews. CJ, do you ever skip a run outside and get on a treadmill instead? If so, how does it feel? Only when I absolutely have to, if I'm in a new city sometimes and I don't know my way around, it's just the easiest thing to do. If I'm in a hotel to, to go to the gym and run on the treadmill every once in a while, I'm a, I'm a wimp in the winter time, maybe and find a treadmill to do a run on, but, but largely I prefer to be outside because I don't find that it feels as rewarding. It doesn't feel as good to, to, to do it on a treadmill. I find I'm more worried about my time. Like you're, you're like you get running and you're like, Oh, this is getting boring. And you look down, you've been running for eight minutes. It's like, okay. 
Uh, I just more, I like outside. I find I can zone out better. There's more to see. And I, I feel better. Even, even when the weather is crazy, even when it's cold and snowy, I, I find that way more rewarding. It's just, you know, sometimes I'm busy and don't, it's just easier to do it inside. How many days is your run streak at? I actually passed 901 on my birthday. So yeah, that was, that was Sunday. So today will be 902. I haven't gone yet. It's going to, it's going to be a, a difficult run after the half marathon. I'm feeling it in the legs today, but uh, just go out and do a short, slow one today, but that'll be 902. So still on pace for a thousand in late January. That's, that's, that's the big goal on my mind. And now I'm less than hundred away. It's pretty crazy. How about this one uh, from George on discord? Where is Julian taking CJ for a belated birthday dinner when they are next in the same city? Well, my man, Julian, is sampling the best of Calgary right now because he's going to find the perfect spot for us. So I I don't know where that'll be, but it's going to be in Calgary. I'm coming your way. Um, maybe you'll get to Toronto first. I don't know because we don't. I don't have a specific plan yet. But uh, this season, I will be in Calgary. You can mark my words. I got some good friends that live there, love the city, and of course, want to want to be face to face with my podcast partner. Maybe we'll find an in-person way to to do a pod when I come out. I will be in Toronto uh, this year. I can confirm that. I still have to figure out uh, how that's going to work with the road trip schedule, but uh, I can confirm I'll be in, uh, I'll be in Toronto at some point this year. We'll go back uh, to Adam's basement. I think that might be the move. If we could find a way to make something. Producer Nick will get there. The whole crew will be together. It'll be awesome. Yeah, let's see if we could find a way to make that work. Uh, in terms of a belated birthday dinner, uh, how do you feel about steak? Dude, I'm all in on steak. Okay, all right. I might have a, a place in mind. Uh, it might be a bit pricey, but uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. I'll get the bill, bud. You, you pick the place. <laughs> I'll pay the check. How about okay, that? all right. Big. Mo- There's a reason why CJ is called Big Money CJ. You know what I'm saying? No, you know, there's a there's a thing that goes around in our industry that people might not know of, but over the years, guys like Pierre Lebrun, Scott Burnside, a lot of guys that I've traveled with in the playoffs or in the Stanley Cup final, those guys wouldn't like it, let me get anywhere near a bill over a number of years. And so it's my job to pay it forward to the next generation. And you, my friend, are part of the next generation. So I, I like to I like to look after the younger people in the, in the industry the way I was looked after when I was younger. And I know you'll do the same as your career goes on. Uh, you make more money and uh you want to you want to spread the gratitude around to the people that come after you. 100%. Okay, I have one last one for ask CJ. Um so this one's for me, not from anyone else. Uh what's the most important thing you learned over uh the last 365 days of you in your early 40s that you want to apply uh in your uh new age? I'm not going to dox and, and put you uh and put you on the spot with your actual age out here, but uh what's the most important thing you learned last year that you want to apply uh, as you now enter a new age of your life? I don't know if there's one thing from the last year, but I think maybe this, this period of my life is, it's all about, you know, just going for it. You know, your life really is short. Uh, time passes quickly. I think anyone who's got to 41, which is what I am now is probably feels the same. Yeah. Why not? I mean, anyone who's follows me on Instagram can figure it out pretty easily. Um, but you know, I think anyone who gets to this age will understand that, that the years do pass quickly. You don't have a lot of time. And so you got to go for it. Um, you know, take some risks, uh, try new things. Don't worry about failure. Don't worry about legacy. I know that sounds weird. I, I just think so, like 
you, you want to live a you want to live a full life. You want to live an abundant life. You want to try things and have experiences. That's what really matters more than money or material things or someone saying something nice about you in the future. I know that sounds like you know. I almost I can almost look at it like this will sound this will be a weird equivalency, but like I having lived a life now and just thinking like obviously I've changed jobs and things like I've worked at both of the two major networks that cover hockey in Canada, for example. I can understand why players maybe at the end of their career want to try a new, go to a different team. Um, you know, Daniel Alfredson played two seasons in Detroit after all those years in Ottawa, but he lives back in Ottawa and like that his life is still, he's taking more of a role around the centers. But like, I don't view that as like, I think you do have to try things. And so that's sort of the long answer for your question. But I just think like, go for it, man. Like, don't wait, don't wait. Just That's just a good get, answer. Get out there and do what you want to do. That's, that's, that's the most important thing. Don't let anyone stand in your way. Don't don't get in your own head. Just just do the things you need to do. It's a great answer and a great way to end the Monday edition of the CJ show, man. That was really really thoughtful and 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 well done. Thank you for that. Thanks, buddy. I mean, I try to impart some wisdom with all the silliness we put on here, so <laughs> and I think people appreciate the silliness, uh, I, I, at least from what I've seen. I, 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 I could be wrong. I think people appreciate when uh, you, uh, you you get a little silly and you go a little off the wall sometimes. Not too yeah. much off the wall. Though. We put Redick on a hat just because I was being silly one day. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, be sure to buy more of our merch um, at the uh, the uh, SDPN store. Uh, just, just, just join the SDPN Discord as well. Check out all the SDPN shows. Follow us on uh, Twitter, Reporter Chris and JK McKenzie. Do all the things uh, that we would love you all to do, so that we can keep ourselves going with the podcast and the network. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with Stick Taps and another episode of the CJ Show. Uh, for CJ, I'm Julian. So long, peace, and enjoy the new week. And again, belated happy birthday, CJ. There's the metal. There we go. That's what's up. I love it. I love metal it. Metal in your face. Metal in your gold metal in your face. Knock, knock, who's there? I love that. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's sports book. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.